That's how we should start. Just saying something to make me laugh the moment you press the button. Well, because I forgot how to press the button. Forgot how to start. Yeah. But I didn't forget how to start. That's usually when I say, hello, welcome to Real Disagreement, the podcast where two people watch movies they suspect the other will not like. It's a lot of fun. We're your hosts. I'm Rob. I'm Amy. This is it. This is the sci-fi blockbuster spectacular. Popcorn, summer, we're mourning the death of summer. Wow, you really, really turned that into something sad. This is the winter, the fall of my discontent. Wow, the <laughs> fall of my discontent. How'd that not become the phrase? Um, so uh, this week, we have two films. We have Starship the Troopers. Of my displeasure. I've known too many women named Autumn to make that joke, and they're, they'll be offended. Oh. Yeah. You can say it. I've only known a couple, and I feel like they both became strippers. Wow. The ones I know are not strippers. Uh, friends <laughs> named Autumn. You are lovely, wonderful women. And well, strippers are wonderful, too. I'm not saying they're not. I just don't <laughs> want these people to think I'm calling them strippers. That's all. But why is that a denigration, Rob? I'm not saying it is. But people you need don't, to respect people, people in don't the want sex work called, industry. People don't want to be called what they're not. That's true. You know, they want to be right. it's correctly identified. <laughs> they're not that either. Oh my god, I'm going to get so many angry autumn emails. Um, so it's Starship Troopers facing off against Independence Day. Ooh, face off. That's a great movie. People don't like that. That movie's great. No. You don't like face off? That. The John Woo film? Yeah. It's great. I got so tired of John Woo. Like how many times can I Everyone see Everyone got tired of John Woo. White doves going into the air. You've seen it once. You've seen it enough. Plus, like, Nick Cage, man. He's just so much. I Okay, there's... Where to start with this? One, everyone loved John Woo for, like, five years. Outside of that five years? Okay, not so much. In that five years, people fucking love John Woo movies. Well... And he reinvented action films. They've all aged badly, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Mission Impossible 2 is the only one I don't go back and rewatch. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. The others are... Did you see the new one? No, I was no because everybody in my life has gone to see it without me. I saw it without you. Doesn't invite me. No, my mom, mother, best friend, my sister. Yeah, my friggin' thirteen-year-old nephew. I went to see it by myself. Well, we were gonna go yesterday, and then I decided that I wanted to be my grandpa yesterday, and I just kind of like fucking weird statement. Puttered around the house, did a little tinkering over there, a little cleaning over here. Boxing up stuff for the thrift store. It's like my grandpa. Okay. You know. I, why not just say you want to put it... I, anyway, so... It was great. You should see the new Mission Impossible. Everyone it? should see it's it. It's out of the theaters probably tomorrow. Go see it tonight. <laughs> okay. Um, it's terrific. But we're talking about other terrific, maybe, blockbuster films in the form of these two films. They had so... the This turned out to be an unbelievably good pairing, I think. Yeah, it was good. Really good, and had so much to say about America and where we stand as a country. Totally. Then and now. And also, because one of them had really good uh, special effects, uh, and the other one didn't. We Hold on. And one of them what? was enjoyable to watch. Oh my god. And the other one wasn't. I am... This might turn into our first fist fight. <laughs> this might happen. There might be actual blood spilled today. And I expected that, which is why when I came in and we did our 45 minutes of chat with each yeah. other, I did not express my opinion because I wanted it to be recorded. This is going to be but you don't real know, ugly. You don't know which one I'm talking about. Okay, I don't know, but I feel pretty certain. 
<laughs> so let's just get into it. Um, we're going to start off then with Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. That means that was Amy's pick, so I get to do the poem. 1996. Independence Day? Uh-huh. I thought Independence Day was like 93. Nope. 96 and Starship Troopers was 97. Wow. Okay. So, really CG advanced that much in that time? That's crazy. Okay, well. Wait, what? You're saying it was an advance from... Independence Day has almost no... It's all like miniatures. Yeah, but that's still... Starship special. Troopers has... That's still Photo real computer graphics. Okay, well, we'll get to that. The point, aliens but... look goddamn real. Yes, they do. Okay, the hell's... All right. <laughs> the haiku is as follows. But, but to Wait, be fair, min- uh, miniatures are still special effects. They're special effects, but I said, I said CG and okay, computer graphics, sorry. didn't I? Yeah. Check the tape. I don't know what I said. Um, so long, world cities. Aliens want the planet. Did not update apps. Oh, that's funny. Thank you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I had another one, but it wasn't as plotty. I thought that was a good plot one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, Independence Day is about a group of aliens who invade planet Earth. And, well, they don't invade so much as they, they hang above the Earth in these giant ships and blow up our cities. And then the scrappy humans come back and take them out. Mostly through the magic, which is a clever Jewish guy. Which one? What do you mean, which one? Because his dad's wonderful. Yeah, but he doesn't do anything to save anybody. I love him so much. What's that guy's name? Uh, I can't remember. I know. We'll look it up. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. I love him. Everyone knows. Uh, I know, too. Oh, damn. <laughs> Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. Um, from so, Taxi. From Taxi, yes. I love him. Um, the, it, the movie presents this kind of kaleidoscope of soap opera-esque stories. Mm-hmm. There, It's Will Smith's, the movie that made him a movie star. He was already a TV star, but it made him into a movie star. He's a cocky young pilot who someday wants to be an astronaut. Did, did, well, I think Six Degrees of Separation came first. It did, but it didn't make him into a movie star. It didn't make him a star, but it certainly started to put him on people's radar. Well, he was already on people's radar because of good in that. Fresh Prince. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. I'm sorry, go ahead. Um... I heard a weird story about it the other day, but it doesn't matter. So let's move on. So is Kevin Bacon in it? No. That's a multi-layered joke. So, yes, it is. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. So Will Smith is a young cocky pilot who somebody wants to be an astronaut. He is seeing a woman who's a single mom with a young boy. Um, and, and she's, she's an exotic stripper. dancer. <laughs> So we're coming full circle on this one. And her name is not Autumn. I don't remember her name. She has terrible taste in jewelry. It's Veronica. Is it? Vivian. Her real name's Vivica. Jasmine. It was Jasmine. Because it's Vivica A. Fox. Yeah. Don't, are you just conflating all these people? It was Jasmine. Okay, so. Like it matters. Um, Every time. It continues to be true. <laughs> uh... Do you know that somebody started a jewelry line because of, like, based on her engagement ring? I heard something about this, I read yeah. that. It's terrible. Her engagement ring is two dolphins in a pseudo yin-yang yeah, chasing one thing with a diamond in between, and it is the worst piece of jewelry I've ever seen. You should only give that to a 13-year-old girl. Which I think we've now determined who this movie's for. <sighs> Keep going. You, you're welcome to disagree with that, but you'll be wrong. Um, so... We got the Will Smith character. We have uh, Bill Paxton? Pullman. 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 
Oh, man. So we have Bill Pullman <laughs> as the President of the United States, who, as my uh, wife and our friend were saying last night while watching the movie again, he always looks stupid and confused. No, but they That's his go-to move, is looking confused. He looks so cute when he's doing it. He looks like a dog that was, like, horribly beaten. Well, and whether he does that all the time or not, that's good for this role, because they make the point of showing that, like, he was a fighter pilot hero who was given this job that he's not up to. They call him, like, the boy something or whatever, you know, like... Wunder, fallen Wunderkind or something. I mean, that's not it, but it's... That's a, definitely not it. They're not using along, in I can't movie. remember what it was, but it was something along those lines of, like, he was the child... All right. Whatever. So, uh, looking his, confused is appropriate. Someone in the president's staff, it doesn't seem to be a cabinet member, maybe it was a press secretary, it's not exactly clear, is a woman who happens to be Jeff Goldblum's estranged wife. Jeff Goldblum is some kind of scientific computer genius who's working at a TV station, I guess? That's how his dad makes him feel like crap for it. He's, but that's what he's doing. He's the satellite engineer. Okay, but he's some kind of genius who well, yeah. is a coding he's wonder. He's underselling himself for sure. He's a wunderkind, to use uh, someone's phrase. Exactly. But so, you can't say that about Jews. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, so, um, so Goldblum recognizes some weird computer static going through the satellites, which turns out to be a signal from the aliens. I'm only going to the arcane nature of this to say this is why Goldblum ends up enmeshed in the White House machinations of attacking the aliens, because he's the one who understands their computer code. That's really all you need from that. Uh, it wasn't right? him, though. I mean, he didn't discover it. Said he discovered it. It's important. <laughs> okay. He he decodes it. There we go. He figures out the puzzle yeah, of it. That's important. Give him the credit. Give, All right, sure. Give SETI credit. Sure, we, we fictional keep, person. We keep unfunding SETI. It's important. All right. <laughs> so, um... I just... It's my job to derail you. The most pedantic nitpicks possible. Yeah, that's All right. Do. That's the new name of the show. Pedantic <laughs> nitpick. With your host, Amy. That's a good um, band name. It is a good band name. Um, so, also in the mix is Randy Quaid, yeah. who's a down-on-his-luck, drunken, former Air Force pilot from Vietnam. He's not from Vietnam. He was an Air Force pilot during Vietnam. Uh, he's now a crop duster with three children who bear him no physical resemblance. What is that about? It's something weird. Like, they're all... Two of very the, beautiful, dark skinned, seem like native, native American indigenous population. Yes, yeah. like, like at least two of them. Miguel for sure. Yeah. And the daughter is also from Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yes. And it would make sense, like the lack of connection, the fact that he like is a drunk and all of the things that that brings into not caring about your kids, like that you could just say whatever. Like it, it would make more sense if they were like Adopted, not adopted, but like if they were pawned off on him, like if their mom, if they were like actually like nieces and nephews who their parents died or yeah, something, yeah, or like whatever. some woman he dated left behind her three kids or whatever. Like the the lack of connection would make sense, but I I don't think that's Randy Quaid's fault. I think it's those kids. There's so many things that are Randy Quaid's fault because that kid playing Miguel, that's like one of my eight notes here. Is he was so bad. He is so bad. Julian. He's in that movie because he's so handsome. Julian Case, I think, was his name. And he's terrible. Well, Case would be the character's name. Julian something. I know okay. his first name is Julian. Okay. This, <laughs> you're just a fount of info right now. Um, it's a font. 
like it matters. So <laughs> I think it's both. I've actually been tripped up on this in the past. I feel like both are things that you hear. Well, that's like how I don't know that. What's what's the right one? Verbiage or verbiage? I'm pretty sure it's verbiage, isn't it? But it's spelled with an I. Yeah. See, this is where it gets messed up. People who I'm gonna I'm gonna lump you into this group with me. People who read a lot. And they, they know the word, yeah. but they're reading the word, they're not hearing it. Is it foliage or foliage? It's just foolish. Okay. Um, Miguel's so, terrible. <laughs> back to the real important thing. He's not that bad. Um, the Randy Quaid character Sedated. claims he has been kidnapped by aliens yeah. and probed. And so that's a big... Ten years ago. Ten years prior. Yeah. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's the town laughingstock. Uh, but really, he's the town laughing stock because he's Randy Quaid, and Randy Quaid has proven himself to be a lunatic in the last few years. I Have mean, you followed any of that stuff? Yeah, he's cuckoo pants. He's, he's completely nuts. He's funny. Um, he's goofy. Okay. Okay. We did you see the National Lampoon's Vacation? They made the like island vacation that was just about Uncle Eddie. No. It is the worst fucking movie ever made. I'm starting to realize there's a lot of National Lampoons out there that they I've, just crank out. I've never heard of. The National Lampoon's Island Vacation movie was made for $75, maybe. There you go. It is beyond terrible. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. All right. It's a waste of your, of your whole life. Um, so, we have this n- clutch of characters who we experience the alien invasion through. Uh, the most no- I was surprised in rewatching it how long it takes to get to shit blowing up. Yeah, I was. It's like forty-five minutes. So, but but so some of the stuff I read about it was saying that this this movie was kind of a a turning not a turning point in the summer blockbuster movie. Oh, totally. Because it was a, it was a watershed. Be, yeah, huge be, thing because of the money that it made. Though it only barely edged out Jurassic Park. Um, Still, it edged out Jurassic Park. True. Um, the money that it made because of the way they did advertising, like mm-hmm. Apple got in on the advertising. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This was one of the first really big like um, fast food tie-ins and all. The international stuff they did was the real clever for it. International stuff. So so all of that, and then also the special effects was a big deal. Um, Which the miniature work in this is fantastic. It's amazing. Holy shit, they look awesome. But one of the big things about it was, um, and uh, what's his name? Emmerich? Yeah. Um, Emmerich said that alien movies and like Earth destruction movies so often focus on a small group of characters in one place. Mm -hmm. Or they focus on stories of aliens that travel all this way and then hide. And so he wanted to tell a story where um, the... You, the scariest thing we can imagine, which is just total annihilation, right? And that is what this movie was. And by showing it from all these different perspectives and showing all the different cities that get destroyed, mm-hmm. um, and that was a big deal. And I think we've seen that happen in lots of other movies since then, and this was kind of the trendsetter for it. But it's, it's an incredibly effective little movie. I, I don't mean little, like because it, it's a massive production. It's... It was this big surprise that came out, and it works like gangbusters. Mm -hmm. It is, in its brainless way, really rousing. The logic of it doesn't hold up for a second. 
when... But when you watch the movie, it doesn't really matter. You're enjoying no. the nonsense of it. You said it was rousing when I was looking stuff up, like, you know, Google autofills your search bar. Uh-huh. And um, it autofilled in, you know, the speech, right? Sure. Like, if you just put in Independence Day, the speech, you get... We will not go into that Boy, dark night. That is not a good speech. No, yes. Watching it again, I was ready for it to be great, and it is not. It's good. All right. But it, my Google autofilled with Independence Day, the speech in Tamil. Huh. Like, so there you could... That's interesting. So MIA could sing it for us. Um, if you look at the movies these guys made... It's like writing, directing, team. Emmerich and... Devlin. Dean Devlin. Devlin. It is a string of unbelievable mediocrity. Really bad. Um, Universal Soldier, which someone suggested we should do, by the way, on the show. Uh Stargate, which evidently you love. Yeah, and is not mediocre in any way whatsoever. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I'll be... James Spader, damn it. Is, Is James Spader the hallmark of quality? I'm just saying, like... That that's a good place to start. We're gonna get into your heartthrobs a lot in this movie. Kurt Russell, ooh, this is gonna be a lot of thirst coming in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got. Then uh, he does that Godzilla remake. Good job using slang. Oh, oh the really cool. Michael, the Matthew Broderick one. Yeah. Boy, I'm having trouble with names today. You really are. That's okay. You came through in the end. That um, Matthew Broderick one was so bad. It's so bad. And Broderick Ugh. was originally supposed to be in the Jeff Goldblum role here. They were real mad they couldn't get that huh. Broderick magic, and they got it from the next movie. Uh, the Patriot, that real weird Mel Gibson Revolutionary Ugh. War movie. Heath Ledger, first time we saw him, I think. Yeah. So, well, no, yeah. in a movie. Well, it was um, he... 10 Things I Hate About You before that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, Day After Tomorrow, which is very much like Independence Day. Yeah. Uh, 10,000 BC, which I don't think anyone saw. 2012, I don't think anyone saw. I saw um, 2012. It was rough. It was like oof, Independence... It looked bad. It was like Independence Day combined with some twisted-ass Noah's Ark Ugh. version and like John Cusack so clearly there for the money. Wait, did I see... I feel like maybe I did see that. I feel like it's I remember something bad. about John Cusack. Where they're like at the top of Mount uh, Fuji in a boat. Mm, I, I just remember like the limousine driving scene through the yeah. destroyed it's city. It's real bad. Then he did Anonymous, the Shakespeare movie, saying that Shakespeare didn't uh, write Shakespeare. I never saw that. I refuse to see it because Shakespeare cons- conspiracy theories make me insane. I find it real classist and shitty. No one from his background could have possibly written it. Why not? Why not? couldn't he have been a genius? His background was middle class. Well, that's just it. People say no one from his background could have done it. It had to be a royal whatever. But what, I hate one, all that but shit. But isn't one of the theories that Marlowe did it and he was lower? But this is a, this particular one's a, it's some like prince or something oh, that yeah, they're saying yeah. did it. Um, White House Down, which I don't think anyone liked. Stonewall, I've never heard of. I read about that. Um, that Stonewall is about the Stonewall riots. Oh, really? And it was Roland Emmerich's passion project. Because he, because, you know, as Wikipedia likes to do, if somebody's gay, you got to put it in the first four lines of their bio. So he's gay, I take it. He's, no, you got to say how Wikipedia says it. Right. Openly gay. Oh. Uh, and he's, and he's um, big. And so I know about the, the Stonewall riots. I didn't yeah, yeah. picture so him making that kind of movie. Well, yeah, I wonder if he, like, you know, like, explodes the, the <laughs> bar that the riot was at. <laughs> it's like a rainbow-colored laser comes down and... <laughs> 
That I watched the shit out of that movie. Let's be clear. I'm suddenly into it. No, so Roland Emmerich is a big advocate, and um, he does. Well, that's great. He does a lot of civil rights work, LGBT civil rights. Work. That's a, okay. That's kind of surprising because of the uh, Harvey Firestein character in Independence Day. I knew this was going to come up, and by the way, we've completely left off talking about the plot. But um, it doesn't matter. Everyone's seen. Everyone's this movie. seen this. Movie. Everyone's seen this movie. The like flaming queenie okay. Harvey Firestein. But. Can Harvey Firestein be anything but that? But you cast him for that. You don't have to cast him. They put him as Tevia on Broadway. You don't know who I'm talking about. I know who okay. Tevia is. Okay. I know I was in Fiddler on the Roof in uh, high school. Oh, so, that's adorable. Uh, they cast me as the rabbi, which I feel is some <laughs> real fucked up stereotyping, but that's okay. Only Jew in Colorado. Yeah. Um, He'll put him in the beard and he'll be yeah. fine. Um, they cast him as Tevia on Broadway, and, like, I because he can sing, you know, like, through articulate notes. Can he sing? Yeah, he can. He can. I know he was a great writer at one time. But, like, yeah, he still was, like, flaming Queenie Tevia, you know? Oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, no, I saw videos of it. It was really bad. But but I don't think Harvey Firestein's capable of anything else. And and you're right. Maybe you cast him for that. But I also think you cast him... Think about the timing. You mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire. He was coming off of Mrs. Doubtfire. He was coming off of other comedies he was in. And I think... Uh, and uh, wasn't... He was in... Um, oh, boy. Here's me getting stereotypical. But wasn't he in Birdcage? Uh, yeah, he's their friend in Birdcage, right? Maybe. I'll look. Or or just... The Birdcage is great. Oh, I love Birdcage so much. Um, Hank Azaria. Oh, my God. He's really funny. Um, but the... I, I just feel like mid-90s was probably a big time for Harvey Firestein. And it's funny. Yeah, are you... Are, are it just you, seems like some... I'm With a movie that's so devoted to representation... Totally. What with a movie maker who is devoted to representation. Well, I mean, actually, the movie. They take great pains to have, like, every world uh-huh. culture's in it. Yep. Um, that the two heroes in this are an African-American gentleman and a Jewish gentleman, and they're both set up as sex symbols. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is, last it, night, you almost couldn't hear the movie over the two women I was watching it with, like, sighing every time Jeff Goldblum showed up on screen. And I wrote down... You you did what? I wrote down, <laughs> I'm okay with this Jeff Goldblum. It is a very you know sexy is? Jeff Goldblum. It's the shoulders. He's small... Every guy, every good-looking man is wearing the, like, A-cut t-shirt yeah, yeah. with a shirt barely over it. Which you're kind of... Rocking right now. I'm seeing a lot of chest hair. I well, that's my move. <laughs> but there's no chest hair on Goldblum. He is shaved smooth as a baby. Because he's being objectified. We've covered this. Yeah, well, I'm saying it was very <laughs> present here. No, you know what I think it is. I think he's got sh- like in in the fly. The mullet is super distracting, um, and the character is very creepy. So that makes it hard for me to see him as sexy in the fly, even though that's like the picture. The isn't that. Oh, no, it's Jurassic Park that they turn into yeah. the big statue, right? And here he's basically Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, but instead of being flirtatious, he's smoldering. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, angry and confused. But but he bulked up. He's from, big. Between that and the fly, yeah. He's, well, he's big in the fly, too. He can, he can get big, as it turns out. Yeah, like, like which his was kind shoulders are really wide, so that's why I was like, okay, I can get in on that. He looks great. Yeah, he... I saw the transition. Well, it was curious to me that... Because you'd think that Will Smith is going to be set up as the young kind of sex pot in the movie. And they are doing that. 
But I feel like as much as Will Smith became like a sex icon, boy, I think Goldblum is just crushing in this one. Okay, so I'm laughing because so now Jeff Goldblum has has surpassed because now this, my wife was talking about this that he's even sexier now, sixty five years old. He is, and he's like this isn't the right word, but he's like pan sexy, like. Every, okay. Everyone thinks he's sexy. That's true. Everyone Male, does. female, and... Well, uh, I think it's a specifically like a hip thing, though, a hip crowd. But also, he, like, I have friends who are gay, and they, and like on Twitter and stuff, I've mm-hmm. seen them post pictures of, he was just at some film festival in, you know, his like sort of quintessential, very colorful... Um, Suit coat, what's that? Yeah. Blazer, what the a blazer, hell? yeah. Blazer. blazer, sport coat with and, blazer. Yeah, you know, like looking like Versace wallpaper is essentially what he looked like. And my friend like posted, was like, check out Poppy in Rome, check out Big Daddy, like like Daddy, and there's a well, lot he of... He has a nicely pan-ethnic look to him as well. There's a lot of Daddy talk about Jeff Goldblum. So, and, and you know, and he has made jokes about his sexuality, it was a big thing in um, Steve Zizou... How do you say that? Uh, Steve Zissou, yeah. Zissou. The left product um, was Steve Zissou. Yeah. A movie I didn't love at first and has grown near to my heart. I have similar feelings to it. Yeah. Um, I think you have to give it a couple of tries. Yeah, it's a very surprising movie. And then you're like, oh, no, actually, this is great. Yeah. So, and, and that, and like, so anyway, I feel like Jeff Goldblum is sort of cultivating a like, not exactly gender fluid. He's very masculine, but yes. that but that his appeal is very fluid. It's, it, there's a lot of softness to him. Perhaps, there's a certain open, emotional, yes. stereotypically feminine thing. And on that note, that has been going on for a long time because there's the shot of him and Will Smith walking away from the crashed craft. Yeah, <laughs> and they're so proud, and they're smoking their cigars, which Jeff Goldblum does not know how to smoke a cigar. No, clearly he fumbles with it. Like, but that was clearly a character choice too. But Jeff Goldblum walks like a woman. Like it was crazy. Does he? I re- I'm gonna have to rewatch it. I rewound it and watched it because like I feel like he's got a real saunter going. Yes, but it's all hip-based, right? So dudes, like dudes that walk like dudes, it's shoulders, then pelvis, right? Shoulders lead. And and so it's a real puffing out of the chest. Mm. Like it's all environment, like it makes sense evolutionarily and all of that. Jeff Goldblum walks with his tiny petite little hip bones first, and they all huh. they, and they come up by two inches and drop three inches when he walks. It's like he's wearing high heels. It's interesting, crazy. Now and it's all huh. accentuated because they have the gear belts right, around yeah, them. Yeah. But it just made me laugh. I wrote it down here. Jeff Goldblum walks like a woman. Um, well, I you know it just made me laugh. He's become like a style hero for me. Like I just want to age into being Jeff Goldblum. He's so cool. I feel like the whole world would be good if we all could have that hair. Yeah, agreed. That the silver hair thing. Yeah, it's like I'm into the it. guy. I don't mind going gray. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's like the tan. The guy named Tan on Queer Eye. He has the world's most beautiful hair. It's oh, that, I know who you're talking about just because the silver hair. The I haven't seen the new show, but I'm amazing, aware of. And it's like quaffed all crazy. Yeah, it's good stuff. Kind of similar look between the two, actually. Yeah, silver hair is good um, stuff. Back to this movie. <laughs> I know, right? That was like a um, tangent. Yeah. Here's the thing about this movie, ultimately, that I'm being left with. It is, it is sincerely what Starship Troopers is, ironically. This is a purely jingoistic film. 
This is a recruitment film for military and raw rawness. Yep. It is so unabashedly that that it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And it's that's what it is. But it, I got into this whole thing, and we'll, we'll get into this more. I'm guessing with Starship Troopers, but I can't help but think there's been a lot of uh, theoretical bandying about lately, wondering if superhero movies and summer blockbusters are inherently fascist. That they're purely about might equals right. You need to entrust this small group of people because they, through their inherent superiority, should be trusted to solve all problems. And... Which is super frustrating. Problems. Yeah, and it's super frustrating because when you talk about like the origins of superheroes and you go back to the beginning of Superman and that Superman is the story of an immigrant. Like Yeah. It it, ugh, it And there are ideals in it. And I like the superhero movies. I mean, are you gonna say I'm, are you gonna say the Greek pantheon is fascist? Like we we have always I mean it kind of was, but um <laughs> <laughs> We've always believed in a greater being that... uh, What is monotheistic religion if not a belief in a greater being that we have to trust our will to because they know better? Fuck those people. I like superhero movies. And you know what, Rob? Do you like fireworks? Um, I have mixed feelings on fireworks. I don't like the metaphor they present. Oh my god. But the actual, like, uh, gunpowder going up in the air and exploding in its beautiful colors. Okay, I love the colors, but I don't like that it's like this simulated warfare missile thing. And I don't like all the smoke it creates. And I I think they're... I don't... I have mixed feelings on fireworks. Okay. Let me get a better analogy. (laughs) Okay. Yesterday was your birthday, right? Yeah. What did your wife give you for your birthday? 40 of them. 40 boxes of, uh, tiny boxes of cereal. Tiny boxes of cereal. What kind of cereal was it, Rob? Mostly junk cereal. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Oops, no berry. All oops, oops, all berries. Oh, uh, oops, no berries would like, be a disaster. Terrible. No, it would still be Captain yeah, Crunch. Yeah, just be Captain Crunch, except you're expecting <laughs> Crunch berries and not getting them. Okay, we've talked about your problem with sugary cereals before. There's no substance to it, right? Okay. There's nothing of value. Mm, here's the thing, though. All right, I see where you're going but with this. But you enjoy it. Yes, here's, is this movie jingoistic? Sure. But here's on, the flaw in I your think logic. The, I think the argument you can make about superhero movies is not uh-huh. that they're fascist. I think you can say that they're jingoistic somewhat. But I just... Completely. But, okay. But also, like... Yeah, so so. Let's let's use it's your fun. Let's use your analogy. You're right. Junk cereal is fun. These silly sci-fi blockbusters are fun. No question. And and I enjoy them. I'm not against them. Okay. The problem is when people subsist entirely on junk cereal, their teeth and their innards rot. When people take superhero movies to be serious in ways or they're not thinking about them in a way where they're kind of assessing, and this is all what their entertainment is, I think they are prone to really ugly modes of thought. Well, and those people are dumb, so... Well, we were just talking before the recording about That's why the we rise in troll movies. culture. Yeah. They don't watch that stuff. Yeah. If I say, like, here's this new... They're not going to watch Moonlight and nuance understanding of different uh, communities that don't have a voice in this country. We make those. They don't watch them. 
<laughs> you know, I was hoping it wasn't going to show my mic, but now you've made a thing that my belly growled. It's because you've been eating all that cereal. Sorry. I've eaten very little cereal. Yeah, no, they're taking in trash entertainment, and but but also, okay, so so what does that mean? That means you don't make superhero movies anymore? You don't make fun movies anymore? I don't we know. We don't do fireworks because it's simulated war? Like, I... We can't be responsible for all the stupid people in the world, Rob. I'm not... I, I don't disagree with you, but <laughs> I am... That was the worst thing I've ever said. <laughs> yeah. And I am sympathetic to the idea that you're espousing here. Like, I want to be able to watch... Let, let's take it to a more extreme place, just for sake of example. Okay. Like, a movie like, say, Crash, right? Or a movie like, say, American Psycho. Oy. Things that show extreme acts on film. Yeah. I mean Crash, not the Oscar-winning film. I mean the Cronenberg one about sex and car crashes. Oh. So, when I watched the movie Crash the first time, it's based on J.G. Ballard novel, and it's very much about people who are sexually aroused by car crashes. Like, that's what the movie's yeah. about. And I think it is a brilliant masterpiece. I, I think it's an unbelievably great piece of art. But I don't think people can really handle that movie. I think that, by and large, people don't have... Or they don't engage. They have it, but they're not... They don't exercise it enough to have it in, in good, kind of working shape. They don't have the analytical muscles kind of primed to look at what it's really talking about. Should a movie like that be widespread? Should a movie like American Psycho be widespread when someone could look at it and say that it is pro-misogyny and violence on women? But I think... Okay. Or Fight Club, or all these movies... Where people looked at them and they came out beating their chest and saying, let's start a fucking fight club. Instead of saying, oh, that movie's against consumerist culture. Yeah. And saying that turns us into animals. Uh, are superhero movies, are the blockbusters doing that in a subtle enough fashion that they become insidious? That kids are watching them and thinking that might equals right... But it's, it's toned down enough to be palatable. But I would argue that makes it even more dangerous. But like anything, that's why you watch other things. And I, and I know that your argument is that there are people who are not watching other things. The vast majority of people are not. But, okay. But I think we're getting better at that. And, and, and here, here's, where, here's where I think TV is important. Because I actually think that TV... Certain networks in particular and certain shows in particular are trying to subtly embed messages of diversity and mm -hmm. this and that. Like, the best example is Orange is the New Black, right? One of the most popular series out there right now. Is it... Who's it popular with? I think many people. Okay. Most demographics. For various reasons. Okay. Because of its diverse... You know, it's diverse cast. Mm -hmm. It certainly has gotten much more political in the mm -hmm. last, like, after about the second... I mean, it was always political. Sure. But it's gotten real specific about specific issues. Mm -hmm. But also... Okay, so the moment I'm thinking about was... There's these three characters characters who are the resident white supremacists. Okay. In, in that women's facility. Sure. And they're, and they're also speed freaks. And, and they're funny. They make me laugh. Like, sure. It's terrible. I know. But there's this moment where one of them says, is talking about how she's illiterate and how it's an act of choice that she's made mm -hmm. to protest a world that she doesn't 
feel like is morally right and she shouldn't be a part because and she and she describes the process of reading and everything that's wonderful about reading she says what if I read something and then I start getting ideas in my head <laughs> and they're different than the ideas that I have been raised with that I know to be right because my mama and the Bible told me they're right. Oh my God. What if I get ideas and then I have to start making choices about what is right and what is correct? I don't need all that stress. And I laughed so hard at that because that's like... That's the most ignorant thing that's ever been uttered, and that was the point of it, right? So, right. so I think there's that. I think there's, a, you know, ABC is has Blackish and Fresh Off the Bow and the Goldbergs. Like they're, you know, very specifically trying to talk about smaller populations in the United States, and I think that TV has more leeway because they have more time. To maybe subtly embed messages that help to counteract some of that stuff. I, I yes. Because you're right. The masses are not going to see Moonlight. You know. But I don't think but, the masses are watching the shows you think they're watching and giving them that attention. The, you're right. Those shows are doing that, and yeah, I think there is a venue of yeah. They're watching garbage. Okay, but the, the masses, and, and, and it's the most vulnerable of us who are watching the worst things. The masses saw Get Out. They really did. There are there are exceptions. There are things that make their way through, and, and which I'm grateful for. And my I think they're point, extraordinarily rare. My point is that I worry that you what you're arguing is censorship. I'm not arguing in no, favor of censorship. Let, let me finish my that because I got to get the words out. There, <laughs> there is an elitist bent to what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, good. Whew, that came out. I'm not happy about it, but I have to admit it. Yeah. There's an elite... Like, like me saying, I don't want to have to worry about the stupid people. Like, while that's the worst thing I've ever said, and in itself sounds elitist, what I'm really... It definitely does sound elitist, yeah. I know, I know that. But what I'm saying is, it's not our job to police the entertainment of people who choose not to go out of their boundaries. Now, I understand, like, in the same way maybe there are food deserts, there's probably entertainment deserts. Yeah. We're lucky enough to have a couple of theaters out here where we can see things that are different and indie and this and that. But also, a lot of that stuff is available on the internet. And I just... Yeah, there is definite jingoism to Independence Day. And, and I'm going to address what you said about how Starship Troopers does it ironically. Because while I think that was in the intention, watching it in 2018, it's not what comes through. Um, but I just, I, I don't think it's our job to take away the sugary cereal from people. I think we say, hey, you have all these choices. And generally the stuff like on the bottom of the shelf is going to be really bad for you. Because it's cheaper and it's filled with sugar right. and this and that. And also... Here's nutritional guidelines. Here's all the consequences to eating that. And I'm, I, oh, this is all gonna sound bad. And I, I realize it does. (laughs) But this isn't, this isn't me pushing forward an agenda so much as these are troubles I see and I don't know how they should be solved. Because I'm not pro censorship, but I'm also despairing that I feel like we are becoming a more intolerant and more ignorant society. 
aggressively so. But I think the answer is you keep putting out art that counteracts. But let's let's look at it from other angles as well. The other stuff. Of there, we were talking about the ACLU before recording began. Mm-hmm. I am a literal card carrying member of the ACLU. Me too. I give them money every month. Yep. I know many people are disappointed with the ACLU right now because they're trying to figure out what they're going to do about hate speech. Yeah. And as, a, as an organization, in the past they have been, free speech uh, protects hate speech, we will protect hate speech. But right now they're having a little bit of a recalibration. Do we really want to protect hate speech is what they're kind of wondering. Is that where we should go given that hate speech has gone from a niche thing that was relatively small in this country for the last 40 years... To it has blossomed and become public discourse. Yeah. Do we need to defend that? Or should we actually condemn it? And I find myself in similar philosophical quandaries now. Because while my ideals of people should get to choose and free speech is important, they should be able to take in the entertainments they like and all the rest, at the same time, I do think there are ideas out there that are poisonous. And there are people who are not taking in um, antidotes, so to speak, to those poisonous ideas. So I'm, I'm not saying I am the arbiter of all things that are ethical, therefore I now get to choose entertainment for people, but I do worry about this stuff. And I worry about how it, inter- how it treats people in their home life, how it treats us at the ballot box, and all kinds of things. And I think that we're getting... The promise of the internet was so wonderful in that it was going to be this, you can look up anything and learn about it. But we have gone completely the opposite direction to embracing the worst possible instincts out there. That there's a rise in belief in the flat earth destroys my brain. And it's not small, because I thought maybe it's just this thing I'm hearing about a little bit on the internet. Students talk about it all the time. Students who absolutely are like, no, you're right, it doesn't make sense. There's no way the earth is round. Don't... They're students. Like... They're two years from voting. If they choose to vote... I don't think they mean it. I think a lot of them do. They don't believe in the moon landing. (laughs) And they absolutely have seen all of the worst things that entertainment has to offer. So I don't know. And I'm not saying we should censor them. I'm not saying those things should go away. I want to be able to go see challenging art. I want to be able to see things that are stupid. I want to see all those things. As a parent, as a teacher, do I think that maybe it's... There were so many kids who, after the new Avengers movie, told me they sympathized with Thanos and thought he was right. So many kids. With the get rid of half the population. Yeah. Of random genocide being a good idea. And I said, you know he's the bad guy. And they went, well, he made some good points. No, he didn't. So this worries me. (laughs) He was a bad guy couched in the language of pragmatism. And I think when you're talking to kids, pragmatism works right now because it's A plus, no, letters don't work. One plus one. Plus <laughs> what was A going to be added to? B. But okay. I know it's Wait, ABBA. It's ab. Yeah. It's ABBA. It's really good. <laughs> um, Mom, Mia, what am I talking about? Oh, That was excellent. If you want to put me through real pain, maybe watch those movies. 
Oh, no, I would never would. That's awful. Okay. That's torture. All right. Have you seen them? I saw the first one. My mom made me go for Mother's Day, and I was like, God damn it, it's Mother's Day. I gotta go. You say, I don't love you this much, and No. It's Fernando. <laughs> Take me away. Um, I just love ABBA. SOS is a good track. I love ABBA. Like, I don't like Isn't the... there a whole thing that they're actually Nazis? Or no, that's Ace of Base. I don't... Is there a sign that tells me that? Nice. <laughs> I saw them, but they really are evidently. Like, okay. Anyway, so here, here's I think I think pragmatism is appealing to kids. Um, there's a level of me that responds to pragmatism for sure. Sure. Like, like Dan Brown, I you're gonna like. Did you just make okay? You're gonna judge me. So Dan Brown, I like the Dan Brown books because he puts <laughs> because he puts so much research and work into t- describing the architecture or the paintings or whatever that that book is centered around, and that I really enjoy. Right. Yeah. So he, as a former art history major, so he did what he wrote one called Inferno. And, um... It was all about, like, Paradise Lost and shit, right? Yeah. That, or about Dante, rather. Yeah. Not about and Lost. so, at the end of it... Spoiler alert, if you haven't read it. At the <clears> end <throat> of it, a, a virus gets, um, basically put into, like, the whole world's water supply. And there's, like, a whole way that they made that happen. Um, that randomly makes a third of the human population infertile. Okay. So it's eugenics. No, because it's random. Well, okay. It's random, right? And there's a level of pragmatism there. And I and I remember reading it and going... Yeah. Like, struggling with it. Because because I'm not going to lie. One, there, there's a lot of very personal reasons that I have decided not to have kids. But a big part of it is that I... And I'm not judging anyone who's decided to have children... No one in the room who has kids. Or anyone that I love and care about <laughs> and who allow me to be around their kids. Yes. I personally mm-hmm. do did not want to contribute to that environmental burden, right? Would you identify as an antinatalist? That okay. whole thing I don't know what that emerging? Means. There's this emerging philosophy that one shouldn't have kids for a couple reasons. One, environmental impact. Two, it is ethically unsound to introduce them to a life that is, without fail, going to be more suffering than pleasure. No, because here's the thing. While I'm a pragmatist mm-hmm. and and don't immediately shy away from the concept of random mass genocide. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm an eternal optimist. And I think having children is, I think I'm quoting you and you're like, Father's Day post from this summer. I mm. I think having kids... And let's be real honest. Maybe I cite the environmental burden, but the real truth of the matter mm. is my own fear that I don't have the strength to have that kind of hope mm. and that kind of faith because I don't know what kind of a parent I would be. I don't know what kind of a person I would be. Like if I had a kid with deformities or some sort mm. of um, abnormality or whatever... I don't know that I'm that strong of a person, hmm. right? So, so yeah, environmental burden. I also really like spending my own money on myself and sleeping yeah. in as late as I would like to sleep. Yeah, that's true. And I driving, do miss some of those Driving things. a nice car and going on vacations. I like all of those things. Yeah. I also, to be real straightforward, the concept of having kids scares the fuck out of me. It's a pretty scary the idea. I'm glad I didn't have to. fuck out of me. Um, no, I'm not even talking about the birthing part. Oh. Like, whatever. Drug me up. But <laughs> the, like, that there's somebody out there whose well-being is 
completely dependent upon me. Yeah, it's weird. That's horrifying. It's real weird. When I take my nieces and nephews on roller coasters, I like practically break my neck because I'm watching them the whole time mm. and doing the soccer mom purse clutch across yeah. their chest because like somehow my arm is stronger than the security Well, the bar. real key here is you just have to not care that much about your own children. No, that's the thing. Yeah, it's tell, a weird thing. I tell my niece and nephew all the time, I'm like, I can't break you. You're not mine. Like, I would get in trouble. But it's... I, mm, the parenting thing is... Uh, it, it actually dovetails into this quite a bit. In that, what entertainment should I let my children see? And, you know, I worry about... I want them to experience the world, but I don't want them to get hurt. I want them to get hurt, but not too hurt. You know, it's, this, it's weird kind of compromise of, I want them to experience, I want them to get the scraped knees of childhood. Yeah. But I also don't want to watch them fall and listen to them cry when they get hurt. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing to balance out and then tie into this and we'll, we'll, we'll switch over because we're going long. Um, <laughs> We've talked for an hour not about this movie. <laughs> that's all right. There's a, we, we're talking actually about the important thing in this movie. We, yeah. Okay, here's the thing everyone talks about in this movie. It's a computer virus. That doesn't make sense. Who fucking cares? It's a silly popcorn movie. It's totally fine. What? Oh, that's... In Independence Day, that was the thing when it came out. People being like, yeah, how can a human's computer interact with theirs? And I was like, eh, it works, whatever. It's all binary. Who gives War a of shit? the Worlds, it's just water that kills them. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like, whatever. It's it's fiction. That's the... Bat- Wait, what? Fiction. It's not a documentary? That's the second part of science fiction, people. Um, but in trying to figure out... Because my kids, like all kids, want to see superhero movies right now. And I... I they see movies that are PG-13, which certainly I could be criticized for. They've seen all the Avengers movies. You animal. I know. But they haven't seen all of them. My son really wants to see the first two Captain America films. He has not seen them because they're so heavy in gun violence. Yeah. Uh, the it second Captain America like in particular. One. Well, I feel like the first one, too. The first one, too. They're both so heavy in gun violence, I won't let my son see them. Yeah. But they have certainly a good deal of violence in those films. They have loss, but they also have a lot of humanity in them. And they're very sweet in a way, the, the Marvel films. And they're about nobility and all the rest. The DC films are so hateful and ugly yeah. now that I won't let my kids see them. So there's something of... We have to be judicious with this stuff. And, and, and I'm not trying to be everyone's dad. Yeah. But for the two boys I am their dad, I censor what they see pretty considerably. Well, and here's the thing, though. People can talk about these kinds of movies and and that they might be yeah, certainly jingoistic, but that they might be fa- you know fascist, supporting fascism or whatever. Which I think is is an oversimplification, but that's the argument that comes up. Because on the other end, they're superheroes, and Randy Quaid sacrificed himself not only for his son but for the whole of humanity, and and which is a great part of the movie. And. And superheroes act, put themselves in harm's way, because they're not all immortal, in, in an effort to save people. Well, so I'm going to use that to transition us over. So my top three things on this movie. That's what I think is the, is the saving grace. I'm, I'm going to agree with you, particularly for this movie. Yeah. Because my top three things, I'll make it my number one, even though it's not my number one, is that people who live... Anonymous lives get to be heroic in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful thing. Of They get to do the big sacrifice. They get to do the big action. right? That the Randy Quaid character is redeemed. And his family is redeemed through his actions. That the And I love that it's minority members, by and large, who are the heroes in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. 
You know, it's brains that save the day in this, not really brawn. That the two lead men in it are an African-American and a Jewish gentleman, I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. Um, So that's number one, the the representation of the heroism. Uh, Two, the special effects hold up. This movie looks terrific. It looks so good. I expected it to look bad because, because the... so. I don't know if you ever showed it, but when we would teach the Odyssey, mm. there's the 1997 Hallmark. Oh, it's bad. Right? This is I couldn't even watch it. time, and, the, and, the, and, the, and it's miniatures, and it's claymation. Yeah. It's so bad. But, I mean, the worst thing apart that, about that is... Uh, Armand Asante Armand as... Armand yeah, it's really bad. As Odysseus. But I just, like, yeah. I'm going back to my home. It's so bad. It's my impression of Armand Asante. Uh, the... But yeah, the special effects are amazing. Uh, and number three, I'm going to go with... Uh, just can't see Jeff Goldblum. I love Jeff Goldblum. He's so, awesome. So like, ultimately... But I never is... mentioned your dude. I feel bad we didn't talk about Brent Spiner at all. Well, you know who we didn't talk about at all, and I'm amazed we've talked now for 53 minutes? Harry Connick Jr. Oh, that's right. That was. Remember when they were trying to make him into a movie star for a while? He does have some good lines, though. Yeah, he's all right, and he's charismatic. But then you go he's like, he's trying real hard you're to be. A bad, but you're like in real life, you're kind of a bad dude. Uh, is he? I know his dad is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's some domestic violence. There's oh. definitely some walking into an airport with a gun. Arrests. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember that. Oh yeah, his dad it was DA for New Orleans, mm. which is why he had to go by the junior thing Got when it. he was getting established. And it turned out his dad was real aggressive in pursuing certain kinds of cases and not others. Mm. And maybe some real shitty stuff was going on in the DA's office. Well, yeah, it's New Orleans. I'm just saying, though, like, it looks um, like they locked up a whole lot of people with darker skin who should not have been going, and they knew it. We don't have to talk about Brent Spiner. He's wonderful. Here's what I want to know, though. Like, because we've talked mm-hmm. about some of the social implications of these kinds of movies generally, but very yeah. specifically. Yeah. Thumbs up or thumbs down on this movie? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend this movie to your mom. Okay. I think it is... I am prone to navel-gazing and crawling up my own ass, and as such, I am gonna say all these things that makes me think about, and that's the premise of this show. Um, I was pumped to watch it with my son. But when you were watching Incidentally, my son fell asleep and didn't get to anything, because it takes 45 minutes for anything to happen in this movie. It does. And before starting the movie, I promised my wife I would report this. I said, he, I was trying to build up to him, oh, it's an alien movie, there's spaceships, and shit's going to get blown up. And he goes, well, it's an alien movie. Shit always blows up in alien movies. And I thought, you are so full of wisdom, child. <laughs> you just upset a so lot wise. of people with the fact that your six-year-old... Says shit. Just actively... My son swears with a fluency that is... I'm not proud, but I'm not ashamed either. <laughs> they use it... Okay, we have to go on to the next movie. I have to I have to redeem myself on this though. <laughs> 55 minutes in. Who gives a shit? So, they, I just started listening to a podcast with uh, Christopher McQuarrie talking about the new Mission Impossible movie. Seven hours of him talking about Holy it. Holy crap. I can't. I'm well, so excited. I'm only 25 minutes I think you that. can do an hour on the the Henry Cavill. Oh, it's, it's going to be so great. Um, my sons do use swear words. They only use them at home. Yeah. They use them appropriately in the sense of they're using them in a grammatically correct fashion. Yeah. And they never use them abusively towards someone else. It's always things like, 
oh shit, I spilled my milk, which yeah. makes me laugh when they say things like that or things of that nature, but they never say like anything mean. You are made of shit. You know, you yeah. are a bad person. There's no fuck you from one to another. It's whenever they say something, Rocket's mean thing he'll oh call God. someone. I just had an image of Rocket with his puffy little cheeks saying, fuck you. <laughs> well, he will call someone a caca poopy jackass. That's, That's like one. his big swear that he'll say to a person. But they like they use profanity just to like, oh man, just to express frustration, which I'm okay with. As it is meant to be used. Yeah, so I'm fine with it. All right. I'm going to get called by protective services. I, that was roughly the theory in my home. That if you swore, child protective services would no, just swoop no, in? No, no, no. That, like, you don't do it at school. Yeah. It should be used, you know, it has a meaning. Right. Don't wear, use out, it. Don't wear out the meaning. Yeah. I mean, I now do curse like a sailor, but... You do, um, yeah. It's real bad. Mostly because you use a lot of nautical terms. <laughs> You're always tying knots when you say. Yeah. All right. We All right. we need to move. Starship four, not Troopers. Aft. Wow. Okay. Nice. Starship Troopers, nineteen ninety-seven. I can't believe this is just a year later. Yeah, you're right about Casper Van Dien. He his yep. voice is real high. Real high voice and, and real meaty paws for hands. And I was wrong about Denise Richards. She she was not underrated at all. Yeah, she, she's terrible. She's really bad. She's real bad. Ooh, so she bad. looks terrific on camera. But, ooh, not good. I got a little tired of her. Okay, so, <laughs> Starship Troopers. It's the future. Um, the Why is that funny? You're funny. You're a funny person. Keep going. And we start in a... It's a high school with everyone looks like they're 27... Um, Which is totally intentional. Keep going. Why? The, keep going. I'll come back to it. Okay. Um, and and basically, like, everyone's going through sort of the... Through testing, right? She tests. She has this crazy high mask or she being Denise Richards with the inexplicably Spanish last name. Oh, we'll get to all that. That's part it's, of the brilliance of the film. Ugh. Okay. Um, and, um, and she tests. And she tests really high. So she's going to be a pilot. Casper Van Dien tests very, very low. Not smart. So he goes into um, infantry. Yes. Which very much parallels the reality of military service. Yeah. Um, which is on purpose. Um, I'm not sure why you shrugged when you said that. This is an incredibly deliberate film, but continue. No, no. Our military system oh, okay. does it on purpose. Well, yeah. Um, so... Okay, so that happens. There's this woman named Dizzy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Dizzy. Who's lovely. like 45, and she's <laughs> in love with Casper Randy and Johnny, Johnny Rico. Rico, my God. Um, <laughs> and it's so bad. It's so brilliant. And oh. and she could have done any job she wanted to do, but she like purposely got herself transferred into his unit, right? And they and like the reviews and the summaries and stuff online say that she's in love with him. I didn't get love. I got thirst. Like... I like that that's the term we're using all through this episode. Fucking crawling through the Sahara parched. He is a handsome man. In a blandly Kendall way, but yes, he's handsome. He's, I don't think he has genitals. 
He's wow. like the most Aryan I have ever He's seen. He's the most Kendall looking person I've ever seen. He looks like a Kendall's come Hence, I don't think he has genitals. It's just I understood the reference. Flat and looks like a pair of briefs under there. That's that's not what genitals look like. <laughs> oh God! I gotta talk to your wife. Um, so. <laughs> I have to call my doctor. <laughs> so and then. Every she sends him a dear John videogram and breaks up with him because she chooses career over him because it would make things easier. And and there's bugs, bugs that's what they're called. Which you know this is like the one one of the few science fiction movies. Actually, Independence Day did too, where they accept that it's dumb the concept that aliens look like humans. Um, it, yeah, it's which is nice to far more likely that. that they will be arachnid looking because just energy wise, that's a better way to set up a body. Um, anyway, so they so there's bugs. Bugs are invading. <laughs> like one of their big tools is they like throw asteroids at the planet. And, Basically, they shoot out their butts. Yeah, and so you know stuff happens. <laughs> one of Johnny Rico's. Troops gets accidentally shot in the head, which is real gruesome. It's super gnarly. And then he calls his parents to say that he quits, which I'm like, you don't just get to quit. And but there's, oh, there's so much of the premise that you're just ignoring. And while he's talking to them, they and they're not happy that he's in the military, um, their town, Buenos Aires, gets pummeled by an asteroid and everybody dies. And so he, so then they go to war. And, and then... You know, he fights, and other people fight, and he, <laughs> and he moves up in the ranks, and then people die, and they and Neil Patrick Harris, Doogie Hauser comes in and says, "Hey, we think there's a bug brain," and everyone has oh everyone has assumed that the bugs aren't smart. This is making me insane. I know, I love it. Turns out that they are smart. Wait, that some of them are. I don't know. Neil Patrick Harris, like, psychically tells them where they are. They take a nuke. Everybody dies. And at the end, it's like, it's him and Denise Richards, Carmen, or whatever her name was. Carmen, yes. And, okay. I understand that there is satire in here, because they... What? They look like Nazis. They talk like Nazis. There's propaganda films. The uniforms are plainly Nazis. Yes. I get... I understand all of that. Yes. I understand the, like, this is truly farce. I used it wrong the last time because it's making a point. I get that. Yes. Beyond that, what was the fucking point of this Okay. Movie? So here's a thought. I fell asleep. I had to read the plot on Wikipedia to be able to have this conversation oh. today. So when you said what happens <laughs> at the beginning of the film, that's not the beginning of the film. And there's an important distinction to be made. The beginning of the film establishes that we're literally watching a propaganda film. The beginning of the movie yeah. is a newsreel. Yes. And the movie never actually breaks out of that newsreel. And there's like weird, subtle, hidden things. That's true. When it has like a, uh, it's got the soldiers visiting a school and talking about who wants to hold the gun, kids? Oh, that's and they all rough. want to. And then they're like, who wants live ammunition now? And the kids are eagerly stomping on cockroaches as the teacher excitedly claps and jumps up and down. The whole thing is about indoctrination into the system of fascism. Yeah. And then during the news clip, there's a uh, image of their flag waving. It's straight out of Triumph of the Will. And the images of the soldiers kind of gently superimposed on the image of the flag, right? And upon reflection or upon second viewing, you realize those are images of the Johnny and Carmen characters from later on in the movie. Because the whole movie has actually been a propaganda film. The whole movie is a recruitment tool. 
And that's what the movie is. And it's a okay. brilliant send-up of these ideas. Everything about the characters. The, the but that's names, super subtle. Like, you, you want to talk about... It is subtle. You but want, it's all there. Because I didn't get that. I, I knew that there were propaganda moments... Because the whole movie is one. That's why it keeps popping into those... Into, like, the demonstration of watching a bug tear apart a cow okay. and stuff. Which was hilarious. I didn't realize that. Like, I thought it was just... Whatever. Clever way of transitioning from one scene to the next. Here's this, like... Propaganda commercial, which I also thought was funny because each one ended with "Want to know which more?" Is, yeah, which and it's internet. You click on it's the clickbait. Thing. That's what that is. Like they yeah. predicted clickbait, which is it's interesting amazing. to me. However, like you want to talk about movies that subtly indoctrinate? Like I don't think a kid watching that movie is going to understand that this is a send up of a propaganda film and that the whole thing is supposed to be a propaganda. I don't film. think you're wrong because I think when you watch this, you're like, "Woo, John Rico! He kills most of the bugs." Like, I don't think you did. He's so clearly brainless, but he's a hero. And they're getting people to exactly though. That's just it. They're getting the most vapid actors possible. Paul Verhoeven is a real deal genius. He's got his PhD in mathematics. He grew up under the Nazi occupation and has been obsessed with making films about that throughout his life. That's amazing to hear because, you know, his response when asked if he read the book that this is supposedly based on, mm -hmm. and I paraphrase, not quote, because I didn't write it down, uh -huh. was it was too complicated and boring. I couldn't be bothered to finish it. He is a brilliant man who is prone to giant incendiary statements. Wow. I would never defend everything the man does. The guy who wrote the screenplays, Ed Neumeyer, he definitely understood the book. It's not based on the book. Like, Wait, I, hold on. I thought that was hilarious. The, the entire Heinlein estate has sworn off the movie. Because, because it's not based on the book. It takes the major ideas of the book, but no. then presents them in a different fashion. This movie started as a screenplay called, like, something on Bug State 9 or whatever, and then somebody said, hey, you know, this reminds me a lot of Starship Troopers. And so they called up the Heinlein? Heinlein? I think. I'm not sure. I always said Heinlein. They, they've called, they called up the Heinlein estate. He... Verhoeven like reads for 10 minutes and decides he can't be bothered and all they did was license the name They did not license the novel. They didn't pay for the rights This movie is not based on that book and that to me is one of my top favorite things because when people talk like people who are on our Facebook page and stuff uh -huh. when people talk about this they go like oh the movie wasn't done well But I mean the ideas are from the books and they're really important ideas and blah blah. Okay, number one that book was actually Supporting fashion exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was an anti so so you can't say that it's based on it because it's not because all they did was fucking license the rights to the name now, I have and not read some the of novel. The, the character names. I've not read the novel. I've heard it's interviews with the screenwriter. It. He presents a version that's a little different than the one you're saying. He presents version saying he grabbed pieces he liked but felt it was a fascistic novel and wanted to make an anti-fascist film. But then you can't, if it's the exact opposite of what it started as, you can't say it's based on the novel. Would you prefer the phrase inspired by? I would prefer the phrase reacting to, but... That's interesting. I, yeah, right, that opens up a whole can of bugs. <laughs> but I just, I just, like, that makes me crazy because, okay, so... <laughs> a person in my former life used to talk about how this is such a genius movie and such an amazing movie. It is. He was a really big Heinlein fan and uh -huh. blah, 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 blah. And now I just want to fucking call him up and go, 
You're wrong! It's not. Okay, like, one, you should totally call them and tell them they're wrong. No. Two, I'm not for a moment saying it's a representation of the novel. I haven't read the novel. I have no feelings about the novel whatsoever. This film is, on its own, an amazing piece of satire and a piece of anti-fascist literature. Sure. I got... I mean, I saw that part of it. With extraordinary special effects, those things look real. The bugs look real, but there, but there are interactions that are supposed to be like multi-field. There's, there should be some multi-field depth in there, and it's terrible. It's like really bad green screening that was gross. Yeah, right? it looks pretty good. And I was like, okay, I just watched Independence Day, which was the year before, and it was way better. Well, there's almost no CGI in Independence Day. It's all that miniature work. I find that amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And like the compositing in, in Independence Day is really good with their like green screen stuff yeah. and all the rest. Like, but this is like, they are, this is cutting edge computer technology. It was good, I, but there were also moments that were just terrible. Well, there are moments that are terrible, but I, I don't think that, and I, I mean, I don't mean effects wise, I mean like story wise and scene and acting. I f- don't for a moment think that any of those bad, stiff, wooden moments aren't intentional on the part of the director. I think they deliberately cast people who would be stiff and wooden. To make them into G.I. Joe dolls that are moving on screen. Oh, I don't think... I No. No, they didn't. They, they absolutely did. There were great actors around. They they deliberately cast Casper Van Dien, knowing he would be wooden. And he was. No pun intended, knowing he would look great in a shower scene. Yeah. That, I It's all about having I'm, people who look great okay. and have nothing behind the eyes. That's so sad. Like, what a legacy. And you know what? I saw a recent picture of him. He looks more and more like Viggo Mortensen. It's crazy. He's not a bad... He's a good-looking like, man. And I don't age, doubt he, he has... looks like Viggo Mortensen. I just... Again, other than the, like... I mean, you can't really call it subtext. But other than the, like, message that it was saying... <laughs> message! I love that movie. Plot-wise... That's a movie? Oh, my god. You were just referencing something? I was, yeah. Um, what was it? How to drink your gin in the... Oh, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. The really long... Uh, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood? Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. It's hilarious. And yeah. and Keenan... Keen, it's Keenan Keen Ivory Wayne's... Pops up everywhere and goes, message! Yeah, he's right? like the so, postman saying, yeah, I remember. Okay, so, other than the message of this movie, plot-wise, like, just looking at the plot, what uh-huh. was the point of this movie? I think that's... I think that's the thing, is that their strategies are so insipid that they're going to go into this ground war when they should just nuke the whole planet. It's part of the thing of that the military leadership is also stupid. And it goes into it, that their generals all get fired and they have to come up with new plans and all the rest. But then it's interesting that you realize through the movie that we're the invading force and we started this war. That yeah. human beings are the bad ones. And the reason why they all have the last names that they do, and they're all from South America, is because it's part of this idea of Western culture invades and takes over. It's this colonial mindset thing. That, okay, but that South America's full of blonde people who suddenly have Latino last names. But they, That's the thing. But they wouldn't, because colonizers are men, typically. But, so, so but, you, but that is the... You would have a whole bunch of children of mixed... Latino, and but that's being too, too too literal with it. That's what they're doing. That's what they're saying. The Westerners have taken over all this stuff, and now we're taking over other planets, and we're invading and killing all these bugs that really probably don't deserve it. I don't know. They seem pretty vicious to me. Because we've been invading them. 
All right. Yeah, no, I, I got all that. They made their point when they talked about the fucking Mormon extremists. Oh, that is funny. Um, it's a funny movie. I laughed at some parts. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that. I'll take it. I laughed at some parts. I mean, like, I would. I suppose had I seen it on a big screen, I mm. wouldn't have fallen asleep. It would have been loud. And Was it late at night? No. Were you just sleepy? I. Because I fell asleep a couple it... times during Independence Day, but I don't think it's a boring movie. I was just sleepy. I was maybe a little sleepy, but the end. But the end was just like so much fighting, and I didn't care. That's what people always say. I fell asleep at the end. There was so much fighting. I didn't care. This is not the first time I have fallen asleep during extreme battle scenes. I don't care. I feel like you're saying more about you than about this movie in a way right now. Possibly. How do you feel about Braveheart? Did you just put that on for a nap? I did like that movie. Okay. But it's It's hard to watch now. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. I, so, okay. Here's some of the notes that I wrote down. Okay. Um. (laughs) I thought it was funny that when they were doing, like, gun practice, that the targets would pop up and they were little green army men. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Um, I really thought it was funny that the dickhead conservative talk show host was wearing a bow tie as though they predicted Tucker Carlson. That's funny. And his performance is so funny. It's really good. I I find the idea offensive. Yeah. He's hilarious. Okay. So, I wrote down here, yeah. Film was, the film was supposed to satirize nationalism and xenophobia. And here's the thing. Maybe I would have liked this movie more in 1997 because I could have seen that it was a satire. Right now, it felt real fucking real. I don't disagree with that. It it feels weirdly prescient. So I, so so maybe I would have got it more in 97. Well, wouldn't that be a compliment to the film though? That it so nails down those ideas, it makes it less funny certainly. But doesn't it make it just as apt as a work of art that it's portraying things that we're seeing have come to bear once again? I feel like all of human history is cycles of populism and progressivism. And so it's not a big leap to assume that at some point in our future we're going to like stray over to populism to the point where it becomes fascism. But sure, I'll give him credit. Good, good job, <laughs> Verhoeven. Verhoeven's an interesting man. I don't for a minute think every movie he's made is a masterpiece, but he has made masterpieces. And so he was interviewed, and because I guess when the movie came out, they were like, how come all this Nazi stuff, and why are you... And people called it a fascist film. Yeah, and yeah. so, but I guess when he did the DVD commentary, he finally, like, spoke out and made his point, and what he said was that war makes fascists of us all. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that point, but I also just think what came across to me in the movie is that war makes killers of us all. And, and I think that's different, because I think that you can talk about people who fight in a fascist army, mm-hmm. and they are not necessarily fascists. They are soldiers. They are still killers, but they are mm. they are doing in, a job that our social contract has told them they have to do. In this war, though, they certainly turn into fascists. Because there's a whole thing about to be a civilian versus a citizen. Oh, that bothered me. 
Well, that's, and, I mean, that's exactly it. And that's what really felt prescient to me. That's what really felt super real to yeah. me is, is that you, and so what Rob is referencing is the idea that you have to serve in, mil, you have to do military or federal service, they call mm-hmm. it. Federal service. In order to be a citizen and thus have voting rights. And, and, and it the, makes it easier to get permits for children yeah. to have full human rights, essentially. Yes. Yeah. And that really bothered me because, um, you know, we have naturalized citizens of Hispanic descent who are having their pa- their their fucking citizenship that well, they Well now food stamps are going to be taken away from Yeah, their bank accounts, yeah. their food stamps, their yeah. citizenship rights are being taken from them. Mm-hmm. They are citizens. These aren't green card holders. These aren't people who are here yeah. undocumented. These are fucking citizens and they're having their rights taken away from them. So so that stuff hit me. But again, I don't Isn't th- that praise for the film? Sure, but I also don't think it's a leap to... You said humans are terrible. I, I have said that. I think we... You said it with the troll culture. like, And so where I can look at the internet and still see some hope and some... And I have optimism for the things that the... The wonderful, amazing things that the internet does do. Again, humans are amazing. Humans are also fucking awful. And I don't think yeah. it's a big... I don't think it makes you a genius to predict that we will swing into populism. But isn't it important, Because we though, always have. I, Okay, it doesn't take a genius to say people will return to various modes of terribleness. Agreed. However, I think to say, I'm going to portray this thing so you are forced to confront it and have thoughts about it versus it happens subtly in the background everywhere. Hmm. I think that's an important thing. Sure. You can look at what Verhoeven's doing and say, well, okay, yeah, I know, but it forces the conversation versus those are things we're just not going to talk about. Those are going to be in the background. We whisper that. If that. Slavery. Well, just this morning, I had to do the uh, safe schools training as I have to do for an educator, because I, every year, educators in the state of California have to get reacquainted with uh, how to look out for the welfare of students. Mandated reporting. Mandated reporter stuff. And it is about as unpleasant a way to spend a half hour as I can imagine, as it goes into all the things you need to look out for to see if students are being abused in myriad ways. Um, you know, it's a real That bummer. said... I need to watch it, and I need to have that refreshed so I can be on the lookout for these things. So you're saying this is a warning to us? Absolutely, I am. Okay. It's not pleasant. Sure. But I still think it's smart. But here, let's let's say this. It was smartish. Smart. I'll take smartish. This day and age, I'll take smartish. Yeah. They don't believe in flat Earth. That's good. They don't believe in flat Earth. Yeah. Do you, would you recommend this to your mom? I'm very curious, because I actually don't know how this one's going to go. I probably would, given the conversation we've just had. I think when I walked in here, I would have said no. Mm. Um, But again, she keeps watching and then telling me things. So it's hard for me to... Your mom's really fucking up the premise of this show. I know. (laughs) All she said was it was really long. But I think on Facebook she said to you, to both of us, that she enjoyed parts of it. So uh, I seem to recall that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I also, this is, at its core, this, mm-hmm. this is an action movie, and I think you know, it really suffers being watched on television. Yeah, it is a big scale yeah. war movie. It, I, I think I would have enjoyed it more on the big screen. Yeah, I think that's true. 
All right, top three. Yep. I very much like the commitment to gender equality. So yeah, very committed. So not just in the representation of women as officers and the co-ed showers where it like was never weird at all. Yeah. Um, but what I read was um, when they showed the movie to test audiences, test audiences wanted Carmen to die at the end mm. to be punished for choosing career over love. Mm-hmm. And Verhoeven was like, eh, no. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's... I think that's important. What she did to Johnny kind of broke him down, but, like, also, ultimately, these were supposed to be children. When well, she's right in making and the decision she's right. She in, exactly yeah. what I'm saying. She's right in making yeah. the decision that she did. Um, two, there were some actors in there that I was excited to see. Um, oh, Clint, Michael Ironside. Yeah, well, yeah. and Clancy Brown. Yeah, Clancy Brown. Um, who I, he's, I was like, what do I know him from? And pretty much everything. Yeah, uh, but specifically everything. Carnival. Shawshank Redemption. Um, We've talked about this. The Warriors. We've talked about Shawshank. That I've never seen. Oh my god, I forgot. Oh, it's just such a given that everyone in the world's seen it. Yeah, no, it's like everyone's favorite You won't like him in that movie. He's the bad guy. I think he plays the bad guy a lot. Yeah, quite a bit. Like, three different... He's definitely a very sweet man. Three different times he's he's played a prison guard who did bad things. Like, three different movies. Yeah. Um, And Seth Gilliam um, from The Wire... Mm-hmm. I liked him. He was the one of the cops in the wire. Yeah. Um, okay. My third thing was yeah, the the director couldn't be bothered to read the book. I thought that was funny. He's. I mean, he made RoboCop. He made Total Recall. I never read my haiku. Oh my god! We have <laughs> to have your haiku. Bugs are killing us. Kids fight war in many ways. War is hell. Oorah. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, except that war. Boy, I don't think I would agree that this movie's saying war is hell. I'd say it says war is redemptive. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and 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 erotic, almost. Almost, yeah. It's really something. There's some. Well, that's where the oorah comes in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that like, part I I didn't correct that. Oorah, that's how it it's goes. It's very much that. Yeah. It's, like, it's so embracing, pumps militaristic. Pumps my nards. Pumps my nards. No, what does he say? Nads. Wait, who says pumps in my Breakfast nards? Club? The amount of references you do to Breakfast Club are, says, is amazing. Mole really pumps my nads. Ugh. She goes, it's Moliere. I'm gonna probably cut that part out. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, I say you keep it. Well, What's ladies next? and gentlemen, What's next? next week, speaking of Breakfast Club. So, summer's over. Back to school. Back to school. Back to school movies. So, we're doing high school movies. Yeah. Turns out they were gonna be just school movies, but they're both high school movies. <laughs> I'm bringing to the game. Better Off Dead, the film by Savage Steve Holland. I, it is an all-time favorite movie of mine. I love it so much. It's an all-time favorite movie of many people in my life. Mm. And, and Smart people. I had never seen it. I was made to watch this, and it was like ideal settings. My friend did one of those things where they yeah. blew up a movie, like an inflatable movie yeah, screen, yeah. and we did a float-in. Like, we all floated wow. in inner tubes in the pool. It was great. Yeah. Um, and you didn't get it. I... Exactly. I don't mean that, like, like yeah. you don't get it, but I mean, like, it's going to, like... Judgy. Um, well, that's actually, I think, what you said when I we talked d- about it. I, like, don't I don't get why get people it. think it's so funny. However, yeah, so, okay. there was, like, swimming and people and probably some beers, so I'm going to say, in theory, I really haven't seen this movie. 
it is, it so encapsulates my sense of humor and formative Rob Bowman. All right. It's it's terrific. You are gonna have me watch, which I think it's insane you haven't seen this, given its prevalence on daytime TV for so long. Um, just one of the guys, which I'm actually really excited to see the story of the aspiring journalist who can't get it. it really, it's a story about breaking glass ceilings. <laughs> Uh-huh. They won't let her write at the. They won't let her be like a lead reporter at her high school. So she switches high schools, and in order to come up with a story that's interesting to write about, she becomes a boy and lives. I mean, not becomes, but like dresses, passes, lives as, lives as passes as, and then ends up writing her story about that. And it's it's a film that growing up I wanted to see it so many times because of the incredibly lurid appeal of the cover. Of a woman wearing two football helmets on her boobs, and I, my like eight-year-old brain nearly exploded every time I saw the box. And I am so so. I mainly saw this movie on like USA or TNT, whatever yeah. afternoon TV. So I never saw that scene, but the scene that it is famous for, where she reveals everything, like it's real possible that that's like the first time I saw boobs on the screen. I am. Pretty pumped about this. They are not to be trifled with. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, football helmets has probably pretty good support for her. Wow. Yeah. I am looking forward to this movie. <laughs> uh, that sounded so creepy and old man. Oh, well, I'm full of regret. I'm sure she was over 18. Oh, well, of course. It's not like she was uh, Brooke Shields or anything. Boy, whoa, they made some weird movies in the 70s. <laughs> was that Pretty Baby, that movie they made with her? But like Blue Lagoon, they're like brother. Yeah, but Pretty Baby, she's like nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventies were weird. Make that noise one more time. (laughs) It's on our soundboard. It's real unfortunate. Um, Yeah, seventies are weird. Anyway, so that's what we'll be watching next time. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to have all kinds of unpleasant conversations though. Visit us on Facebook. Yep. Visit us on Twitter. It's at Real Fights. Hey, do us a favor. Go to iTunes. I haven't said that in a while. Yeah. Subscribe, rate, review, tell people about us. People are interacting with us on Facebook, and we're getting views on stuff, but we're not getting any ratings. It'd be nice to get some ratings. Yes. Thanks. And and you can write us and tell us things. Yep. All right. On that note, after this giant size episode, because it's not enough to split. Nope. It's just going to be a giant app. Yep. Giant up. On that note, insert clever catchphrase here. Is is James Spader the hallmark of quality?